With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Carving It Up Live right here on Twitter, as well as the Grid YouTube channel and the Carving It Up YouTube channel. As always, I'm Bryson Carver. Hope everybody had a great Easter weekend, and what a crazy weekend it was in the world of sports, particularly in the NBA. But listen, the NFL, and obviously golf too at the Masters, congratulations to John Rahm, his second major title and his first Masters. Congrats to him and his family. But listen, the NFL golf, everybody's saying, hey, don't, don't, don't leave us out now. Don't leave us out. Crazy, crazy weekend sports. Uh, Going to talk a ton of NBA today. The playoffs are set. The play-in games are set. I'm going to predict those, the 7 versus 10 games and the 8 versus, I'm sorry, 7 versus 8 games and the 9 versus 10 games. I'm still getting used to this new format. It's only three years in, y'all. Okay, I'm trying, just give me time. We're, we're all getting used to it. Uh, Going to predict those games from Tuesday and Wednesday at the end of today's show. Again, six teams are in the playoffs out east. Six teams are in out west. And we know who's going to be facing one another. The question is, who are those last two, the seven and eight seeds? That is to be determined this week as the playoffs begin this weekend. I'll also talk about the Dallas Mavericks, who are falling apart before our very eyes. And it comes down to three people. Their best player, Luka Doncic. Their second best player, Kyrie Irving. And their owner, one Mark Cuban. Speaking of playoff teams, or teams that actually made the playoffs this year and have a chance to win another championship, that would be my Golden State Warriors. Oh, we're peaking at the right time. We are peaking at the right time, ladies and gentlemen. I'll get to them later in the show. They made some history yesterday against the Portland Trailblazers. And I'll also talk about the Rudy Gobert incident. Uh, come to kind of expect these from him at this, at this point. But I want to start in the NFL, because we know, no matter how popular the NBA is, the NBA trumps all. It is, after all, the king of television. You know, check the ratings. It's, it, I, I forgot this year. It was like 89 of the top 100 broadcasts were NFL games, which actually went down from the year before when it was like 92 of the top 100 or something like that. NFL dominates television. The NFL dominates headlines, which it did yesterday because Odell Beckham Jr. kind of caught us all by surprise just out of nowhere announced that he is signing with the Baltimore Ravens. It later got reported that it is a one-year $18 million contract to go to Baltimore. Now, we had heard reports that Odell was going to visit the Jets today. There were rumors about a potential physical, you know, some little last-minute things that needed to be hashed out. 
And there's no question Odell would have been a great fit for the Jets, especially considering the fact that they look to be adding an aging quarterback who does not seem to be as committed to football as you would like your franchise quarterback to be. That's neither here nor there. But in Baltimore, first thing I sat back and said is, that's weird. Okay, good for Baltimore. They got their best receiver they've had probably since Lamar's been there. No disrespect to Hollywood Brown. He was fine. But at best case, I think Hollywood is a three just considering how much he gets injured or how he struggled with injuries over the course of his career. He's rehabbing uh, from one here in Arizona. And so the question is, what, what does this mean for Lamar? Well, we got some answer from it. From Lamar Jackson himself uh, on Instagram last night. Sorry for the podcast audience, but here's the image from Lamar's Instagram stories. A little screenshot with him and Odell FaceTiming. So, look, this is just me. If I were leaving a company and they brought in a new coworker who would make my life or make my job easier, and I'm leaving, I'm probably not FaceTiming them. That's just maybe that's just me. But I'll get to Odell. But let's start with Lamar. This, this to me means he's staying with the Baltimore Ravens. He will likely sign this franchise tag, stay in Baltimore at least one more year. Again, for the record, the franchise tag, to my knowledge, is, and this goes for any position, quarterback or otherwise, if you get the franchise tag slapped on you, it's a one-year deal where you make the average annual salary of the top five highest paid players at your position. So it's a great contract for one year, but again, it's not one year. There's no long-term security, which is, of course, what Lamar Jackson is seeking. But here's how I view it. Lamar Jackson at least seems to be admitting, and this is not something that is easy for anybody to do, myself included, admit he was wrong. Now, for the record, I've been as vocal as anybody for a year I think it is absurd, beyond absurd, beyond absurd that Lamar Jackson has not been paid and that other teams don't seem to have any interest in acquiring him, whether it be Atlanta, whether it be Carolina, although it seems like the Panthers have a, a decision uh, to make a, a, a plan with the number one overall pick, be it Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud. We'll see in, in a couple, you know, two and a half weeks. But plenty of teams at Washington desperately needs a quarterback. And it's like, here's Lamar Jackson, and you're you're not interested. New England needs a quarterback there. At least they don't appear to be interested in, in Lamar Jackson, although Bob Kraft seemed to a couple weeks back. It's all a very weird situation. But here's what I'm looking at. Lamar's sitting here and saying, again, two things could be true. Lamar absolutely, I don't believe in deserves, I believe in earned, has earned a long-term contract in Baltimore, given what he's done. I mean, I remind you, he won a unanimous league MVP, led the league in touchdown passes. For a guy who can't throw, that seems kind of impossible, sort of a counterintuitive, if you will, to lead the league in touchdown passes and you can't throw. Not to mention that the film, as well as the advanced numbers tell you, he is clearly one of the best pocket passers in the league. People say, oh, Lamar can't step in and make the big throws. Not what the film tells you, not what the advanced numbers tell you. And I'm not an advanced numbers guy, but when they back up what you're watching, they can be helpful. Not to mention the fact that Lamar has won 75% of his games. Oh, and you know, by the way, the last two seasons, while it is a knock on him that he's gotten injured, he's missed 11 of the Ravens' last 32 games. That is absolutely a concern. That's a third of the games, and they needed him for those. No question about it. Did you watch Baltimore's offense when he was out of the lineup? Could barely move the ball down the field. 
much less score the amount of points that they were scoring with Lamar Jackson as QB1. Two things could be true. It's absurd the Ravens have not paid Lamar Jackson, but also Lamar's handled this negotiation about as poorly as you could. The only guy I would su- su- uh, suggest did worse, although the results would say otherwise because he did end up getting his long-term deal, is Kyler Murray. Remember Kyler de- unfollowed the Cardinals on Instagram, unfollowed all his teammates. He deleted any picture on Instagram that had him in a Cardinals uniform. We understand as more and more has come out about how he is in the locker room. But Arizona is not a, exactly a franchise aside for, you know, a couple of years with Kurt Warner, a few years with Carson Palmer, not exactly a franchise known for elite quarterback play. Kyler's the closest thing they've gotten, certainly of guys that they have drafted throughout their long and forgettable history. They didn't have a choice. Baltimore's in a different situation. I understand that. They got two Super Bowls. Both of those they won before Lamar even got there. They're a great culture. They're a great organization. I understand that. But they need him. Again, though, Lamar played this poorly. It's not that he didn't hire an agent. Because the reality is, DeAndre Hopkins didn't have an agent. Laramie Tunsil didn't have an agent. The team will pay you if they want to pay you. But when you talk about, I saw he was... On his uh, personal social media, he was going to do this interview. I think it was with Big Truz was was the production company of the YouTube channel, whoever it was. A little odd, and we still have yet to see the interview. You have the fact that you know he seems to, he he requests a trade in early March. Now he's screenshots a picture of him and Odell on Facetime. It's very very odd. Again, I feel like Lamar and the Ravens. You know, you've heard reports that there's a $100 million difference in where they're at in terms of the negotiation process. It feels like they're 100 million miles away on trying to find middle ground. It feels like Lamar's here and the Ravens are over there. So, again, we know the game. Billionaires are always going to beat millionaires. That's how it's always been. That's how it's always going to be. And so Lamar's kind of in a position where he has little to no leverage. He kind of has to come back. Again, I've said numerous times this show why I support Lamar 100%. I think the fact that Daniel Jones throws 15 touchdown passes and gets paid, but Lamar Jackson wins an MVP, wins a playoff game, and is consistently one of the 10 best quarterbacks in the league since he stepped in, or really since his second year, and yet all he gets is a franchise tag. He's still in a bad position when it comes to leverage. He has to come back, and he can't sit out a year. Like, that's, we saw it happen to Le'Veon Bell. Signed with the Jets, he was never the same player. Like, Lamar doesn't want that. I understand different positions. Do you want to really hurt your leverage? Don't play this year. That would kill Lamar's leverage. Because then it'd be a similar situation to Deshaun Watson, although then you could argue Deshaun Watson got his deal. But the bottom line is, because of this deal, it appears Lamar is coming back to Baltimore. Is this Baltimore's way of trying to convince him? Trying to say, hey, look, just come back in the tag. Maybe still we can try and negotiate. They still have till about mid-July around training camp to potentially work on a long-term deal. And for both teams, both sides' sake, I hope they do. Because Lamar has earned the right to get paid. And the Ravens, have they, they drafted Lamar. They discovered Lamar. They helped develop Lamar. They have the right to keep him. I think they should keep him. He's certainly a much better option than Tyler Huntley, with all due respect to Tyler Huntley. As for Odell, 
Uh, obviously, he has not played since Super Bowl 56, which was, it's April. Uh, th- three days from now, that will have been 14 months ago, the last time he played in an NFL game. Again, one year, $18 million, kind of a, again, a lot of money for a quote-unquote prove-it deal. But listen, there's a good chance the Jets probably weren't going to offer what Odell was was going to want in that ballpark of around $18 million. Again, I read a report early, late last week that it was around $15 million that he wanted. Baltimore's come out with $18 million. He's like, okay, thank you very much. You know, if you're going to exceed what I want, no need for me to talk to anybody else. So Odell's a Baltimore Raven. Now, to me, the question for Odell Beckham Jr. is rust. Rust and coming off of an injury. Not just any injury, it's an ACL, and not just any ACL, it's the second time he's come back from an ACL, to my knowledge, on the same knee. Which, ironically, both injuries happen against the Cincinnati Bengals, who now happen to play in Odell's division now, or he plays in their division, rather. 2020 tore his ACL against the Bengals, I think that was in week six, if I'm not mistaken. And then in the Super Bowl against the Bengals, he tore his ACL. He got a much better surgery this go-around. We know that the reports came out right after the Super Bowl that the surgery was not great that he got done in Cleveland before he was traded to Los Angeles. But what Odell Beckham Jr. is getting for the first time in his, this is going to be his 10th season in the league, although he did not play last year. Stability at the quarterback position for a full season. I mean, stability. Eli Manning, good. Right, he was he was at the end of his run toward the end. Eli really tailed off, and you know it's it's kind of the old joke. Eli retired early; he just really didn't tell us until 2019. And then he gets Baker. We understand the disaster that that was. And then he gets Matthew Stafford, who's like a kind of a fringe top ten quarterback. Some have in in their top ten. Some like me don't. Neither here nor there. He's still he's absolutely an you know upper echelon quarterback. Gets him, and you see what happens. He's a major contributor to the Ravens winning Super Bowl 56. A season ago. My only question other than the rust and coming off of a major injury for Odell is the fact he has not been a true, I'm saying hasn't been relied upon to be a true number one receiver since his Cleveland days. Obviously, back when you had Baker and it didn't work, again, I pinned that more on the quarterback than the wide receiver because we saw what the wide receiver did absent said quarterback in Los Angeles. But now in Baltimore, and again, part of the reason Odell was so valuable to the Rams is because you had Cooper Cup, who had this historic season, winning the Triple Crown. But you also got Odell Beckham Jr., who when he joins midseason is able to draw attention away from Cooper Cup. Like, you can't, you're not just going to leave Odell in single coverage, are you? He's going to torch you. And again, that's before the second injury. So again, Baltimore, we understand what the running game is with Lamar, with J.K. Dobbins. They've still got one of the best offensive lines of the league. Now you've got Odell. Mark Andrews is, to me, one of the most underrated tight ends in the NFL. And you've got one of the best defenses of the league. Remember Baltimore's defense last year? They started the season. They were awful. I remember they gave up like 45 points to Tua. I think it was 42 points, something in that ballpark, to Tua. But then they make the trade for, uh, gosh, who was it? Uh, Roquan Smith, Patrick Queen had a good year. Like, they had some guys really step up for them. And Baltimore finished the season as one of the best defenses in football. Now, they also lost Calais Campbell, who's a big veteran presence. I think he went to the Atlanta Falcons. 
But this is still, it's Baltimore. <laughs> that's defense is their DNA. That's just what it is. It, it's it's a, lot of, a lot of the teams, the AFC North, that's the case, especially them in Pittsburgh. So expect to Baltimore have a good defense. They're going to need to against the likes of Burrow. I think Kenny Pickett's going to have a big year too. And we'll see if Deshaun Watson's able to get to back where he was his days in Houston in terms of being one of the better quarterbacks in the league. If this was Baltimore's sort of, I don't know, olive branch, if you will, if this was their way to sort of pull Lamar Jackson back in and say, hey, we are willing to go back to the table. We are going to get you finally, 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 for the first time in what would be now Lamar's sixth season league, a true, legitimate outside weapon, aside from his tight end, Mark Andrews. And so Lamar's like, okay, they're making moves to try and keep me here. Like, don't think Lamar Jackson doesn't see this and think, okay, maybe the tides are turning a little bit. I don't have any insider information on what the negotiations are as of today, but I have to imagine they're in a better place now than they were last week. I mean, is that fair to say? I mean, just a month ago, Lamar asked for a trade. I mean, this was a couple weeks ago he announced that he'd request a trade, which was, I think, on March 2nd, I think he said. It was early March. It's hard for me to believe the Ravens are in a better spot today and negotiate at the negotiating table with Lamar Jackson than they were a month and a half ago. So we'll see how it plays out. I like the move by the Ravens. I still think they need to add a little bit more. I don't think Odell's at the stage in his career in year 10, coming off the major injuries that he suffered, to be the best wide receiver on a championship contending team. I think he's the number two. Again, I still reiterate, DeAndre Hopkins is still out there. And there's no question the Ravens certainly have the assets to go get him. I mean, it's not like Arizona. I think Arizona's asking for like a second and a third or something. Come on. Baltimore can do that in their sleep. So now, now you'd have Hopkins, Odell, Mark Andrews, and J.K. Dobbins in the backfield and a great offensive line. Now, and this is what I've been begging the Cowboys to do with Dak, make it, it's what the Tua, it's what the Dolphins did with Tua, it's what the Eagles did with Jalen Hurts. Make it, it's, heck, it's what the Rams did with Stafford. Make it obvious to where if you put all these weapons around your quarterback and he still doesn't pan out to what you think he should be, then you know it's the quarterback. That That's the issue. We need to move on. Maybe the Ravens are going in this direction. I certainly hope so for their sake and for Lamar Jackson's sake. But uh, it, it's, it, I'm not going to lie to y'all. It caught me off guard. It really did. Uh, I, I thought the Jets seemed like the most likely possibility. I know that Kansas City was suggested, which that had been, that had been freaking unfair if he'd, went to the, if he'd went to the Chiefs. I mean, come on now. But it's a good move by Baltimore, though. I like it. Like I said, it, it's, I'll tell you, it's great to be back at, the 6 Eastern, 3 Pacific time, uh, live on Twitter and, and YouTube. Because with, again, the last two shows, Thursday, Friday, I did the show at 3 Eastern, noon Pacific. And it's not that I'm against the time, it's just weird. I'm very much a creature of habit. Maybe it's just because I'm an oldest child, it's a tendency of mine. A creature of habit. I, I like the show, like 6 is like the perfect time. I don't know. I feel like you get more feedback at 6 as opposed to 3. Because, you know, people, you know, listen, people got jobs, people got lives, people got school. I get it. That's why I do the show at six. So glad to be back at this time. And again, about to get into the Rudy Gobert incident, but the NBA playoffs are finally, mercifully upon us. You know, we complain about the regular season not meaning anything. The NBA seems to be trying to address that in their new CBA. Although I do have some 
as I talked about last week, some major issues with the CBA. But postseason set, regular season doesn't matter. We've known that ever since Cleveland beat Golden State in 2016. I said the the the, the relevance of the regular season died June 19th, 2016. Because the rest of the NBA saw Golden State tr- chase the regular season greatness of 73 wins. And they had nothing to show for it. Won the Western Conference, but had nothing to show for it. And teams, again, you sort of saw this very slow decline in heckin' regular season ratings, in the importance. Again, you've seen more now more than ever, stars seeing out back to backs. Like that's it's become kind of a problem in the NBA. And I think it all stems back to Cleveland beating Golden State in 2016. We can talk about how it's this, it's obviously it was a probably the greatest thing that ever happens for LeBron's legacy to bring a title to Cleveland of all cities, his hometown. To be as great as he was in that finals, taking down a 73-win team down 3-1. It was amazing for LeBron's legacy. It was amazing for entertainment value. Horrible for me as a Warriors fan and the rest of Dub Nation. But it was terrible for the NBA in terms of the importance of the regular season. So that's, you know, who knows? Maybe maybe it course corrects over the next few years with the CBA and with, with certain new implementations coming into place. But like I said, yesterday was the last day of the NBA regular season. All 30 teams suited up, although obviously not all the star players for teams suited up. Again, I'll talk about Dallas later. I had a huge problem with what they did uh, this past Friday. But in case you haven't been on the the little Twitter bird or the IG or the TikTok or whatever social media you use or YouTube, there's there's a little uh, there's a little kerfuffle, if you will, in Minnesota. So the Timberwolves were playing the Pelicans in a very I I, I didn't I feel like this game did, didn't get enough attention in a huge game. Winner gets the eight seed in the playing tournament, which means if you get the eight seed, you just have to win one game to get in the playoffs, as opposed to if you're the nine seed or ten seed, you got to win two. Like it was a huge game, uh, and to Minnesota's credit. Despite some of the drama that I'm about to get into, they were able to pull away. Again, they beat the excuse me, they beat the Pelicans last night by a final score of 113 to 108. Uh, Anthony Edwards had a you know a, a good game yesterday. Uh, really, just all around, you know, 26 points, 13 rebounds was excellent in the defensive end. But early on, there was a timeout. And Kyle Anderson, slow mo as they call him, as he's known in the NBA because he Listen, the kid plays at his own pace of play and is very effective. It's almost frustrating to watch. But Kyle Anderson and Rudy Gobert are having a little disagreement on the sideline, okay? I mean, we see this all the time. Players argue. It's fine. It's part of sports. We see it in every sport. But then, and I'll try and narrate this to the best of my ability to the podcast audience, those that haven't seen it, uh, they're arguing. Again, we'll get into more of what was exchanged between the two. And Kyle Anderson doesn't like something. He turns his back and Rudy... Yeah, I'm not, I, I don't even want to distinguish that as a punch. Again, I'll show you the slow-mo right here. Uh, see, he punches him, and I notice that Rudy backs up as soon as he he does it. Rudy don't want that smoke. I'm not saying Kyle Anderson is like known for you know being like a, 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 a tough guy necessarily in the NBA, but Rudy doesn't want smoke with anybody because he's Rudy Gobert. So today... The Timberwolves, I guess it was the Timberwolves, announced that they've suspended Rudy Gobert for 
obviously a massive game tomorrow night in Los Angeles against the Lakers, the playing game, where it's if you win, you're in the playoffs. If you lose, you face basically a game seven on Friday, either against New Orleans or against Oklahoma City. And the Timberwolves felt it important enough in this massive game to suspend Rudy Gobert. By the way, it actually, I think, benefits them, which I'll get into as the segment goes on. But (laughs) what I think is fascinating, Rudy Gobert is one of those guys. I don't even know if it's the analytics-driven media. I don't know if it's the fact that he was wrongly all three times awarded the Defensive Player of the Year. I mean, you, you guys know I had an issue with Jokic winning his two MVPs. And I, I, my head might explode if he wins this year. But I can see that I can see the argument. I disagree with it, but I can see where a Jokic fan or a Jokic MVP voter, I could see maybe how they'd be able to jump through some loopholes and make an argument. I cannot see the argument for Rudy Gobert being a one-time defensive player of the year. Three-time? More than Kawhi and Draymond and... Akeem, are you kidding me? What what are we doing? That's another rant for another show. But this is who Rudy Gobert's always been. He's selfish. Not only is he selfish, he's a punk. Obviously, the biggest example of this would be on a national scale when three years ago in 2020, if you remember, we, we don't have the video for the show, but you can look it up. It's, trust me, it's still out there. Days before COVID-19 was declared a pandemic, days before the NBA shut down its season for what ended up being four and a half months, Rudy Gobert concludes a press conference and evidently doesn't seem like, or doesn't act like, COVID's all this big deal. And he's touching the mics and he's breathing on stuff and he's making sure he is. he's touching mics. He's touching every object that was on that table He's like, you know, doing that around the around the area, like doing his arms, like, oh, I'm spreading the virus. And would you know it? He's the first NBA player to test positive for COVID-19. So you have that. You have the fact that in Utah, he was paired, obviously, with Donovan Mitchell, who is as well-liked a player around the league as there is. I mean, do you, okay, do you know of somebody in your personal life, if you're an NBA fan, Heck, have you seen anybody on social media? I mean, a serious basketball person, not a troll. I mean, people actually watch the games who does not like Donovan Mitchell, whether it be his game, whether it be his personality, whether it be his leadership. Heck, have you seen a teammate that doesn't seem to care for Donovan Mitchell all that much? There's only one that I've seen. His name is Rudy Gobert. And if you keep having issues with teammates, if you keep getting involved in stuff you shouldn't be getting involved with in terms of immaturity, in terms of getting in issues with your teammates in the locker room, if it if you're the same guy getting into those incidents as we saw yesterday, common denominator, common denominator. It's Rudy, but you know I, I'm hearing a lot of people talk about like again hindsight is twenty twenty, and I I love when we talk about this stuff in hindsight about how this is the worst trade in NBA history, the Rudy Gobert to the Jazz trade. Yeah, I thought that was <laughs> I thought that was pretty clear when they made the trade last offseason. Again, just for those who maybe haven't seen it, 
Again, Rudy Gobert spent the first nine years of his career in Utah. This is his first and potentially only season in Minnesota. <laughs> oh, here's the trade. <laughs> this, you can't make this up. T- Timberwolves. Okay, the Jazz got Malik Beasley, who's now a Laker today, balling. Patrick Beverly, Leandro Balmero, Walker Kessler, who's going to be a finalist for Rookie of the Year, Jared Vanderbilt, who's now also a Laker and might be the third or fourth best player on the team, probably fourth best. Four first-round picks. A 2026 first-round pick swap. I want to read that again. The Jazz. Got Malik Beasley, Patrick Beverly, Landra Bamero, Walker Kessler, Jared Vanderbilt, a 2026 first round pick swap. Four first round picks. The Minnesota Timberwolves got Rudy Gobert. <laughs> you can't make this up. This is who the Timberwolves are. They do bad business. Never forget the fact that they did a deal with my Golden State Warriors in which they got D'Angelo Russell, who, by the way, is no longer there. We got Andrew Wiggins, who was the second-best player on a championship team last year. Love Clay, love Draymond. Wiggins was the second-best player. And a lottery pick, which turned into Jonathan Kaminga, who is a part of the rotation as a 20-year-old on a championship contender and gets better every time he takes the floor. The Timberwolves do bad deals. That's just who they are. We can, we, listen, we can rip the Jazz for not having any championships. You might shock you to look. Utah actually has one of the highest winning percentages in NBA history of the last 25 years. Like, you know, you, no championships, I get that, but they're not, a, they're not a poorly run franchise by any means. I mean, you saw this year. Utah, who we thought was going to be a tank job this year, was in the play-in contention going to the last week of the regular season. And they got all these first-round picks, all these assets. So they're, they're in a phenomenal position right now. The Timberwolves are stuck. Rudy's on a terrible contract. Rudy is a problem in the locker room. Rudy was never going to be a basketball fit with the Timberwolves. You say, Bryce, that's hindsight. It's not hindsight. I literally, check the tape. I literally said this last summer. Anybody who knows anything about basketball knew this was not going to work. Rudy Gobert and uh, Carl Anthony Towns in the starting lineup together? How, how does that make sense? Not to mention the guy who's defensive player of the year. Yeah, he's really more of a defensive liability. Go back and watch whether it be 2017 against Golden State, whether it be uh, 2018 against Houston, especially to me the one that stuck out the most. 2021, when the Utah Jazz faced the Los Angeles Clippers in the second round of the playoffs. Go look at the fourth quarter of some of those games when Rudy Gobert was on the floor. What would the Clippers do? Because Tyloo is a smart coach, because Tyloo knows basketball, he put a, a small, he goes, he goes small ball, play five out, five shooters, expose Rudy Gobert every time. Whether it be in the pick and roll, whether it be defending a guy one-on-one, he couldn't stay with them. He's not a good basketball player. 
It's as simple as that. Cool, he gets double-digit rebounds. There's How many guys in the league can do that? I mean, half the, half the centers who get significant minutes can do that. Cooley blocks shots. So does just about every center. That doesn't make him defensive player of the year. This is who he is. Not to mention the fact that the Jazz are actually better off without Rudy than with him. The Jazz. The Timberwolves are better off with well, the Jazz, too. But the Timberwolves this year are better without Rudy than with him. You know why? Because with Rudy Gobert, they won 47% of their games. Without Rudy Gobert, they won 67% of their games. He's not a good player. I don't know how why it's taken people so long to understand that. He's not good. I actually like the Timberwolves. I'm going to predict the play-in later on today's show. I like the Timberwolves' chances better now that Rudy is gone. I mean, it's crazy. This is who he is. And again, what I love, I'll, we'll, we'll show the tape one more time. This, this is in real motion. Then you'll see the slow motion. You see them arguing there. Notice when Rudy punches, and I don't even want to call that a punch, to right there to Kyle Anderson, and he backs up. Before, before he even gets shoved, I think it was Tareem Prince who shoved him back and got him out of the way. Punch and then backs up. He takes that first half step back. He don't want any of that smoke. Like, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you think guys are, are scared to get into fights with Rudy Gobert? Really? Last thing, I'll get to the comments. The thing that I love the most, the thing that I love the most involved my man Draymond Green. That's why I love Draymond. All-star trash talker, no question about it. So when Draymond, because people are comparing this to the Draymond Jordan Poole incident, which to me is com it's two completely different situations, two completely different. One happened in practice. One happened in a totally different set of circumstances than this one. But we know Draymond and Rudy Gobert don't care that much for each other. This has been going on for years. And when the video came out, when TMZ put the video out of the Draymond Jordan Poole punch, Rudy Gobert tweeted, insecurity is always loud. Insecurity is always loud. That's what Rudy Gobert tweeted. What do you think Draymond tweeted yesterday? Insecurity is always loud. It's a great quote, by the way. Great quote. I know that's not original to Gobert or Draymond, and whoever came up with it is, is correct, but that's beside the point. Dr like Draymond was waiting for that, the opportunity to go at Rudy Gobert. It's it's ridiculous. It, it's he's not good. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how much how much more happens. He can't shoot. He, he obviously can't pass. He's not good defensively. Cooley gets rebounds. Everybody gets rebounds. Come on, man. Like this, it's crazy. Crazy. Okay, now to the comments. John Rivera. What's up, John? John? For the Fan Perspective Podcast. He says, terrible trade. Rudy is a sucker. Yep. Again, like I said, I, I see, I, I feel like it's an insult to the word punch by saying punch. I mean, Rudy didn't really even close fist, you know, but he we'll just call it a shove. Because I don't want to insult the word punch. Because like the Draymond Jordan Pullet said, like that was a punch. That was a close fist right to the jaw. Shoves, Rudy Gobert shoves Kyle Anderson and then backs up. He's like, okay, I'm going to lay this hit on you, but I don't, I don't want, want another smoke. Come on, man. Yeah, you're right, John John. He is a sucker. Patrick, <laughs> Patrick Brown, Rudy. And John John says if he were 6'8", he wouldn't be in the league. Nope. Again, what does he do well? Cooley rebounds and block shots. Congratulations. 
Congratulate. That's that's really unique to a guy his size. Really, really is. Patrick Brown, those defensive player of the year awards mean absolutely nothing. He got exposed in the Clippers series. Like I said, folks, go watch the highlights of the fourth quarter of those games uh, between the Clippers and the Jazz. If Rudy was on the floor, the Clippers always went small, at least later in the series when Ty Lue made adjustments, because like I said, he's a smart coach. When he made adjustments and Rudy was on the floor, they went at him every single time. Name a defensive player of the year that teams are looking to attack. Name one. I mean, you think, listen, Marcus Smart is a small is a smaller guard, although he's 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 well built in stature. Marcus Smart was last year's defensive player of the year uh, award winner. Do you think teams are attacking Marcus Smart in the pick and roll? Maybe back in the day they used to, but Marcus Smart is a tremendous defender. They're not going at Marcus Smart. Okay. They're not going at any defensive player of the year winner. It's ridiculous. Patrick Brown, I laughed about 10 times after it happened in real time in slow motion. I mean, when I when I got the notification, because I was watching the Warriors game and the Clippers game to see where the war I'm about to get into the Warriors to see where the Warriors would it, would it, my Warriors would end up in the postseason. And, and then I got this the notification on my phone that you know Rudy Gobert punched uh, Kyle Anderson. I'm like, oh, I gotta see this. And it's like that 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 it looks like a Rudy Gobert punch. He makes contact, look like with Anderson's chest, I guess it was, and then Backs up. He he wasn't about that smoke, man. Come, come on. I mean, the dude is a clown. There's no question about it. It's just, oh, Lord. Okay, away from, uh, listen, I, I, and I hope I'm, I don't sound too passionate about Rudy Gobert to the point where it makes, it makes me sound like I put in the same category as, as Dylan Brooks in Memphis. Although one thing, I listen, I'll give Dylan Brooks this. I'll give Dylan Brooks this. Knock down the occasional three. He can. He can knock down the occasional three. Does he shoot way too much? Yeah. Is he inefficient? You betcha. Is he as good of a defender as people think he is? No. Is he a foul machine? Yeah. Yep. As Draymond said back in the day, I need to get that sound effect for the show. I'll have that ready by Thursday. But there are things he is capable of doing on a on a basketball court. I'm not saying Dylan Brooks is better than Rudy Gobert for the record. I don't think he's a very good player at all. But yeah, to be honest with you, but anyways, let's move on to the team that's going to beat Memphis in the second round, the Golden State Warriors. It's a tale as old as time, or at least of the last, a tale of the last decade-ish. All season long. All the doubts about Golden State, about their chemistry, and did the, speaking of another punch, an actual punch, is the punch going to screw up the locker room? And I, I don't think there's any question to start the season that it did. Golden State got off to a bad start this regular season. They were losing to Orlando and Detroit. I mean, that's a bad loss to start the season. But it's hard to puncture the best culture in sports. Especially with outside noise. Especially with a group that's kind of used to outside noise, which Golden State is particularly in the last few years leading to last year's championship when just about all the basketball world, except aside from Max Kellerman, shout out to Max, love Max Kellerman. Everybody wrote them off. And of course, that was not the case last year. And of course, most of the media is making that exact same mistake again in 2023. And what do you know it? 
What do you know it? As fate would have it, the Golden State Warriors finished the regular season winning eight of their last ten games. And the real irony of it, half of those wins came on the road. The team that can't win games the road, and I will admit, an 11-30 and 30 record was not what I envisioned coming into 2023. If they were to win, I think I'm pretty sure it would be the ro- worst road record of any champion of all time. Like in the last 40 years or whatever it is, the least amount of road games a champion has won, I think was Miami in 2006. They won like 20. So Golden State's back behind that by a pretty hefty margin, almost half that, just a little over half that, 11. But Golden State's not like everybody else in terms of road struggles, in terms of knowing when to play their best basketball at the best time. Notice that Steph Curry just completed maybe the second or third best season of his career at age 35. You know, remind you that in his age 35 season, in year 14 in the NBA, one Wardell Stephen Curry II averaged, <laughs> this is crazy, 29 points, six rebounds, a career high, six assists, almost came ever so close to shooting 50, 40, 90. 49% for the field, 43 from three, and 92% at the free throw line. And he had six 40-point games and two 50-point games. I mean, Steph had the greatest age 35 season in NBA history, but that's neither here nor there. We, we don't have to recognize that. Clay Thompson, probably the second-best season of his career. Hit 303s for the first time, averaged 22, which I think is third in his career for a single season. And has really come on since the new year has come in over the last four months. You notice the fact that Draymond's playing good basketball. Kavon Looney is better this year than he was a year ago, playing all 82 games for the second straight year. Hats off to Kavon Looney. You notice that Jordan Poole, now listen, he had a stinker against Sacramento on Friday. I don't know what got into Jordan. He was like 0 for 10. I don't know what got into Jordan. But that aside, every other game, he's been fantastic. He's played within his game. He's played at his speed. Uh, he's been knocking down you know, open looks, creating his own shot, getting to the rim. Dante DiVincenzo now, who has been so effective in the starting lineup, now gets moved to the bench role. Jonathan Kaminga has been playing out of his mind as of late. Again, the kid gets better every time he takes the floor. Dunked on the whole Portland Trailblazers team yesterday. If you haven't seen that, please go check. It was on the Sports Center Top 10. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Andrew Wiggins, as I mentioned last week, is coming back and gets to get eased in because of the Warriors' playoff opponent, which I'll get into in just a second. Again, I remind you, a team that's been bad all year on the road. Won four of their last five going into the playoffs. And won eight of their last ten games in totality going into the playoffs. 
you know, they always say you want to go into the postseason hot. You want to go into the postseason feeling good about yourself. I argue Golden State comes in feeling better than themselves as just about any team in basketball, certainly in the Western Conference. I'd say outside of Phoenix, just because Phoenix still is yet to lose a game when Kevin Durant plays. It's hard to do, you know, it's hard to do better than eight no. But aside from Phoenix out west, what team should come into the playoffs feeling more confident than Golden State? And the best part of it all is, and again, remember I told you guys, remember a week ago, Golden State lost to Denver. And I saw, I was kind of surprised at how many of my fellow members of Dub Nation were really, you know, disheartened at, at that, really just discouraged. And ah, this is, you know, we lost to the Jokic less Nuggets, which I, I said, Denver's still a good team without Jokic. They're not a title contender without Jokic, but they're still a very good team, especially with Jamal Murray and a good bench on the road. And I said the next day, I said, no, 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 no. Golden State, as they always do, because they're the smartest organization in sports, they're playing chess, not checkers, ladies and gentlemen. Had they won that game, they would be the five seed and get Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, and of course, Chris Paul in the first round. Instead, they lose that game. They win their last three against the Thunder, Kings, and Blazers. And they are now at that much-coveted six seed. Which means they don't have to play Phoenix. Should they see the Lakers, that will either come in the second round or the Western Conference Finals. They don't have to see Denver. They get Sacramento, who, for the record, has had an unbelievable season. Mike Brown, to me, Spoiler alert, I'm going to do my NBA uh, award predictions, or at least who I think should win these individual awards. Mike Brown is on Thursday's show. Mike Brown is by far my coach of the year. I, I don't know how anybody else could get the award outside of him. Maybe it's my Warriors bias because he was with, you know, on Steve Kerr's staff for so many years, but he's done a fantastic job with a Kings team that had not been to the playoffs in 17 years. That, that deserves points. That deserves some sort of hardware. It will be a coach of the year for Mike Brown. It will not result in even a playoff series win for the Sacramento Kings, who, need I remind you, are one of the worst defensive teams in all of basketball. Again, I've actually got the, the stats pulled up here. Let's find Sacramento. Yep, 25th in defense. I'm looking at it right now. 25th in defense in the NBA this season. And no playoff experience. Against a team in Golden State that has more playoff experience than any team in the playoffs. By a pretty significant margin, I might add. You get Sacramento in the first round, and you either get the Lakers, who I think we saw what happened with the Lakers over the last few games. I'm, they finished the season playing really shaky basketball. You get, either get the Lakers, who who knows what Anthony Davis you're getting, or the Memphis Grizzlies, who are a tremendous basketball team, although I think the evidence over the last two seasons has shown you that they're better without Ja than with him. And you have the... Added subplots. It's not really subplots. The plot, really. Of all the trash talk that Memphis has had golden coming Golden State's way ever since Golden State won last June. Warriors remember that. You never underestimate, underestimate the heart of a champion, as the great Rudy Tomjanovich said back in 1995. When the six-seed Houston Rockets won back-to-back -back NBA championships. It is history- Repeating itself, ladies and gentlemen. And Golden State is an opportunity to do something that not even those Rockets did 
back in 1995. To this point, no team in the history of the NBA has started all four playoff series on the road and won the championship. It's never happened. Don't you think it'd make this title a little sweeter? Don't you think it'd be a little extra bump in Seth's already incredible resume to do something as unprecedented as that? Feels sort of big. Maybe it's just me. And can I just add this? Um, I know Golden State was playing Portland's backups. I understand that. But I would also say just about every team that had something to play for yesterday, aside from Minnesota and New Orleans, was playing the other team's backups. The Golden State Warriors scored 55 points in the first quarter against the Portland Trailblazers yesterday. 55, which is an NBA first quarter record. It's only three off of the NBA single quarter record of 58. (laughs) The stat that I love the most. If Golden State had not scored a single point in the first quarter, they still would have won the game because they won 157 to 101. Again, it's Portland's backups. I understand that. But things just seem to break right for you when you stay the course. When you play chess, not checkers, as I said last week when they played the Denver Nuggets without Nikola Jokic. And we're the defending champions who have the best player in all of basketball and one of the better supporting casts in all of basketball and the arguably the best coach in all of basketball. Things just seem to break right for you. Listen, fortune favors the bold, as the old saying goes, but I would also say fortune favors the good. Now, the thing is, for any team, whether it be Golden State, whether it be anybody trying to win a championship this year, you absolutely have to get have luck in your favor. There's no, I don't care who you are. Even the 2017 Warriors had some luck on their side in certain instances. See Kawhi Leonard's injury in the Western Conference Finals. Every champion that has ever been has gotten lucky to some degree. You can't have everything go against you and still win the championship. It's impossible. You can't have your team get hurt or the officials blow a call or the other team's healthy and you're not. That's not how it works. But to say I have never been more confident in my Warriors going into the postseason. Yeah, understatement of the year, ladies and gentlemen. Eight wins out of the last 10 games and four of those coming on the road. It's all setting up. I can already I can always see it. See it in my head. What this show will be like in mid-June, two months from now. When the Golden State Warriors win their eighth title in franchise history. They're fifth in the last nine years, and for the second time, they're back-to-back championships. Whew. See in my head right now. It is, it is, it is. It's all coming together. I, I kept trying to tell y'all, and it, people trying to ride off the Warriors. I'm like, okay, okay. And it's all broken right. Now you just got to take care of business. Parnell. What's up, Parnell? Here at The Grid, the Commander's Demand podcast. Parnell says, man. Yeah, you could say that again. Memphis talks so much for someone that hasn't done anything. Yeah. Yeah, you don't say. You don't say. That's that, that's the thing. I think the Lakers are contenders. I still I'm I'm going to die on that ship. Cuz I can I can't switch back cuz I said 
coming out of the All-Star break, they're not contenders. And then about midway through, I'm like, yeah, I think I was wrong on that one. They are contenders. I can't switch back to the other side. I, I got to stick with this one. And I'd love to see a Warriors-Lakers series, although I'd say LeBron and KD are the only two players in the West that I truly fear as legitimate threats to my Warriors in the postseason. But just for, just for entertainment's sake, I want Memphis in the playoffs. Uh, let's see, uh, Philip Chenault, what's up, Philip? He says, nah, you won't get the Lakers if they win. You'll play the highest-seeded team that wins probably the Suns in the second round. I, no, that's, no. In the That's the case in the NFL, but if it's kind of like, it, it, it's, the NBA playoffs are actually happen to have the bracket right here. Hold on, let me pull it up, because I, I had it ready for when I was going to do my playoff predictions, but now it feels like a good time to bring it out. So there you go. Hold on, let me move your comment for just a second here. Okay. Yeah, so you see right there, and again, you got the blank spots in 7-8 in both conferences. If Golden State beats Sacramento, they are either playing Memphis or whoever the 7 seed, whether it be the Lakers or the Timberwolves or whoever. So they're, they're, they will play one of those three teams. And then if they win that, they'll face Denver or Phoenix or the Clippers if they were to somehow get past Phoenix. Like, that's 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 what's going to happen. Uh, that's Like, for example, like, you see Philadelphia and Brooklyn right there, 3-6. If Philadelphia does what they're supposed to do, beats Brooklyn, if they were to get past, you know, if they beat Brooklyn, they would not face the highest seed, Milwaukee. They'd face Boston. That's that's how the, the bracket works. But uh, let's see. And then Phillip says, hold on, let me get myself back on the screen here. Hold on. Ah, graphics. All right. Uh, Phillips says, I think the Suns are the scariest next to Golden State because they're the two best offensive weapons in the West. Ooh, I'm seeing some shade towards Steph Curry with Booker and KD. But the only thing I fear with Phoenix is DeAndre Ayton and Monty Williams. Yeah, I, I still I still don't know if I trust that dynamic between them. And again, that's somebody else. Uh, I'm not going to throw DeAndre Ayton in that same category with Rudy Gobert. Like, DeAndre Ayton's a good player. He, He's not. He's by no means a great player. He's not an all star, but he's a he's a he's a very good starting center in the NBA. Uh, but there's no player in basketball that has beef with Monty Williams. There's no player in basketball that has issues with Monty Williams. That he is the one of the most beloved figures in the NBA, <laughs> and and DeAndre Ayton has a problem with him. Uh, it's it's very very strange. I, I I'm with you, Philip. I don't trust that dynamic between those two. I. And listen, Monty's a private guy, so maybe they were able to resolve around you know, behind closed doors. I don't know if they have, though. And so if Phoenix hits adversity, which the reality is there's not a team in the playoffs that isn't going to hit some sort of adversity, because there's no there's no team this year that's just going to run through everybody. There's We don't have a, a... People say we don't have a great team. No, we've got great teams. But we don't have a an overwhelming favorite. We don't have a 2017 Warriors or a early 2000s Lakers or a 90s Bulls. Like, we don't have that. So every team's going to face adversity. When, when, because every team's going to face it. When, whenever that is, when Phoenix faces their adversity, is that sort of going to rear its ugly head? That's what I worry about. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
and we know, and look, I'm a Chris Paul fan, but I'm starting to come to to my guy Barry's side of the table. He, he calls Chris Paul Black Cat Paul because he just seems to, uh, bad luck just travels with him in the playoffs. Like, you know, almost like, you know, Stephen A says what can go wrong will go wrong with the Cowboys. That seemed to have been Chris Paul's playoff career. I mean, he's kind of the king of blowing 2-0 leads. Like, that's that's what he does. Think about 2-0 last year against Dallas. 2-0 the year before that against Milwaukee. Uh, gosh, there was a year, there was another year. I think, was it Memphis one year they were up 2-0 and lost? I think it was. But that's that's kind of, unfortunately, Chris Paul's brand in the postseason. It's just, that's what's been. I cannot wait for the playoffs. I can't, I've been waiting so long for this. This is my, listen, my favorite time of the year in sports is, I always say it's October because all the sports are going, college football's going, uh, NBA season starts. NFL's going, you got the MLB playoffs. Like it's it, it, it's all good. Plus, it's in the middle of fall, so it's not too, at least at least where I'm at in Tennessee, it's not too hot, it's not too cold. Uh it's, it's like the it's like Goldilocks. It's like it's just just right. Uh, but this April, May, maybe some of it's because schools come to close, maybe that's something to do with it. But as the NBA playoffs roll in, we just had the Masters conclude yesterday. Again, congrats to John Rahm. This, this is this is one of the best times of year in, in, in sports. There's no question about it. The, 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 these, these playoffs are going to be... It's been a weird regular season in the NBA, like very weird for a number of reasons. I have no reason to believe that the playoffs won't be exactly the same. Although, wouldn't it be kind of fitting, whether it be your Warriors, your Suns, your Lakers of the world, out east, Milwaukee, Boston, wouldn't it kind of be fitting if it's those teams with the guys that have been there and that have done that. Now, Boston doesn't have any championship. Boston's best player hasn't led his team to any championships. But the steady teams, the the good cultures, where the guys have done it before, wouldn't it be kind of fitting if in this weird season it's them who make the deepest runs? I mean, it's, and only one team can come out of it with the Larry O'Brien trophy, but it, it kind of feels like it's going gonna, it's gonna to trend toward that way. That's why – actually, I'll say that because I'll predict the playing games uh, – after this next segment, which involves revolves around rather the Dallas Mavericks, who whew, that was as bad of a a late season collapse as I've seen. So Dallas made the Western Conference Finals last year, lost to Golden State in five games, but Luca had a phenomenal season. I actually, and I do this. For I do this for quarterbacks in the NFL, and I do it for players in the NBA. I go into the playoffs ranking my top 10, and I come out of the playoffs ranking my top 10. Because at the end of the day, the postseason is what defines your legacy. The, the, you can have great regular season moments. You can have regular season accolades. Obviously, MVPs don't exactly hurt your resume. But your your record, your how people will remember you is defined in, in April, May, and June. It's as simple as that. It's not defined from October to early to mid-April. It's from mid-April to mid-June. That's where, that's where legacies are defined. That's what separates the really good players, like the the hall, the guys that are Hall of Fame level players, from the all-time pantheon. That the guys like we recognize by one name: Jordan, Kareem, LeBron, Kobe, uh, Magic, Bird, Shaq, Steph. Like the one name guys. Like that's there's not a ton of non-Pantheon guys that we recognize by one name. You could say, if you say Reggie, people are going to know you're referring to Reggie Miller. If you say, you know, if you, I mean, if you say Ewing, people are going to know you're talking about Patrick Ewing. But for the most part, that's that's not the case. 
I ranked my top 10 players in the NBA coming out of last year's postseason, and that bled into this year. And I said Luka Doncic was the third best player in the NBA behind Steph Curry and Giannis Antetokounmpo. I said what he did with a Mavericks roster that, let's be honest, was not exactly Western Conference Finals material, although we didn't know how good Jalen Brunson would be after he left Dallas, which I think is an indictment on Luka, which I'll get into, to get the team, and not only to get his team to the Western Conference Finals, but to literally, Luka, last year Luka was in his fourth year. As a kid in your early 20s, taking the soul, seemingly, out of the Phoenix Suns the way that they did after trailing two games to none to the point in that game seven, it's like Phoenix didn't want to play anymore. I mean, it's like Luka Doncic, year four, literally struck fear in the Phoenix Suns where they could barely function like an NBA basketball team. It was, it's unlike anything I've ever seen. I've never seen a, a team as, as dominant as Phoenix was last year. Literally, we've seen playoff chokes. We, we've seen those. I mean, withered in game seven. I mean, they're down like freaking 30 points at halftime. I've never seen anything like it. And Luka, while he didn't have the greatest Western Conference Finals, Golden State was throwing bodies at him. You had Wiggins guarding him, Draymond, and Kaminga for, for the time being. Like, you had guys, heck, I remember Bielitsa took him from time to time. Clay took him. Like, that's that's what the Warriors did. That's what every team tried and does with Luka, and most of them to no avail. So I had Luka as the third best player in the NBA. Friday, I will do my top 10 players going to the playoffs. Spoiler alert, Luka's not top three. Luka will be in the top 10. Like he's, he's absolutely a top 10 player in the league. He will not be top three. When the Dallas Mavericks, coming off of last a very successful season last year, we did not see them getting to the conference finals. They come into this year, get off to a rough start, but sort of course correct, just like they did the year prior. And on February the 5th of 2023, they made the trade for Kyrie Irving. On February the 8th of 2023, Kyrie Irving made his Mavericks debut. The Dallas Mavericks sat at fourth place in the Western Conference. 28 games later, they failed to qualify for the play-in tournament. Now, is this all on Kyrie? No, it is not but I will get to Kyrie. We have to start with the best player, and that's obviously Luka. I suggested last year as a possibility, not as a something that's concrete, set in stone, has to happen. I suggested last year, Luka may need to make some tweaks to his game, to how he plays. Because the reality is every player, LeBron, forget skill. For, forget all that. Like, you're going to get better as you get older. LeBron's not, he still has the, some similar attributes and skill set to what he had when he came in the NBA in 2003. He's a different player now than he was then. Same with, heck, I think Steph Curry's different now than when he came in. Giannis is night and day. Forget physically. Giannis used to shoot threes back in the day. But if you trade threes for being as I always dub him, the most dominant player in the paint since Shaq. Yeah, you'll take that. Luka's going to have to make a couple adjustments to his game. And one in terms of leadership on the court. I'm not saying Luka's a bad guy. I don't think Luka, I don't think that Luka's a bad guy. I don't, I'm, I'm very hesitant to label people bad guys. 
I think you got to have a history of just being kind of a kind of a jerk, to be honest with you, in order for me to label you a bad guy. In the leadership department, and it's I think I think even Mavericks fans get tired of this. Listen, I got no issues with players complaining to refs. You have every right. I think refs more than ever have gotten far too soft on the tiniest thing you hand a player technical foul. It drives me crazy. It's every single time down the floor, folks. I mean, every single time down the floor, Luca's complaining to the refs. It's it is unlike anything I've ever seen. It, heck, when he gets the call in his favor, he still johns the refs. It's like, dude, just, just play basketball. And again, he's a great basketball player. He averaged like 32 this year. He's phenomenal. But every time down the floor, he's jawing the refs. He's, I don't want to use the word crying to the refs, but I'm close. I mean, it's bad. It's, it, it gets really aggravating. And I mean, there's been many, many times, and this sort of bleeds into my second point as far as on-court adjustments Luke has to make to his game. There's times where, say, he'll miss a shot at the rim. He thinks there was contact, thinks that there was uh, that there should have been a foul called, and he'll be jawing the refs and not getting back on defense. And so his guy's like, that we're playing four on five out here. Transitions me in my next point. As far as the two things Luca's got to change on the court. One's a defensive end. I am not asking Luca to be a great defender. I'm not really even asking Luca to be a good defender. Like I, I, I don't think he needs to necessarily be that. But focus in at least a little bit defensively. I mean, Luca, when you talk about no effort, Luca's like a freaking statue on defense. I mean, he's barely moving his feet. Now, I guess you want to save your energy for the offensive end, but there's been plenty of players in the NBA that have been amazing, amazing defensively and just as good, if not better, offensively. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's the fact that Luca, and I think this drives Jason Kidd crazy as well. I'm not even sure where the effort is at with him at times on the defensive end of the floor. Again, he doesn't even, I keep bringing Steph Curry in the picture, but you know, look, he's the best player in the world. I got to. I don't even think Luka needs to be Steph on defense. Because remember, Steph back in the day when he was much more slight, guys used to attack him. I mean, Kyrie back in the day, everybody used to go at Steph Curry. Because I mean, you're going to go at Clay, you're going to go at Draymond? No, you're going to go after go at Steph. And when Steph put on that muscle and locked in more of the defensive end, he's by, he, I mean, he's, Steph's never going to be mentioned in the same category as like Gary Payton as far as all-time great guard defenders. Heck, even Marcus Smart. But... He's serviceable on that end. Like he can, he can take his man. I mean, he's had a couple of game-saving blocks in his career. He had one in Drew Holiday this year. I remember last year he blocked John Moran at the rim. Like Steph is a pretty good defender. I'm not even asking Luca to be that. Could Luca be James Harden on defense? No, James definitely. Nobody will ever mistake James Harden for being a great defender. But he's active in the passing lanes. He's committed to more of the defensive end in terms of team defense, being good in help, uh, you know, forcing guys to, to kick, kick it back out for another shot. Harden is locked into that end of the floor more now than he ever has. 
can't Luca with much younger legs, with much fewer injuries at a much younger age, can't Luca do that as well? And the final thing is, and this to me is the big one. Luka Doncic absolutely is a, is a good enough player to lead a team to a championship. I think we'd all agree with that. He's like, I have a hard time seeing a scenario in which Luka Doncic is the second best player in a title team unless they were to get like, you know, LeBron or something. Or, uh, which there are rumors LeBron could go to Dallas if they get Bronny James. But, or Kevin Durant. Like, if, if you, th- to get a guy that is absolutely a better player than Luka Doncic. If they were, like, again, I'm just throwing stuff at you. If they were to get Giannis somehow, yeah, then Luka's the second best player. Luka cannot win a championship playing the way he's playing offensively. You see, Bryson, he's averaging 32 a game. What are you talking about? He averaged, you know, he basically averaged 30 last year. He's one of the best scorers in the NBA. Yeah. You ever seen Kobe's best season scoring the basketball? Have you ever seen Jordan's best season season scoring the basketball? Virtually no team success. Now, some of that was because they had to bear the burden of being, forget the best player on their team, really the only guy who could score consistently on their team. Like Kobe, I remember Kobe, God rest his soul, back in the day used to say about James Harden, he said, James got to change his name, game. Trust me, like, and Kobe said, take it from my point of view. I never won a championship playing ball dominant, one-on-one ISO basketball. And the thing is, Luka has, and we, we now saw Luka had a good co-star. See what Jalen Brunson's doing in New York right now? Again, I, I'm at the case, J, it's Jalen Brunson who led the Knicks to the playoffs, not Julius Randle. The fact that the fact that Brunson was an all-star to me was crazy. I, I, thought, it was, I thought it was pure robbery that he didn't, 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 didn't make the all-star team this year. That was nuts. But do you remember some of those games Jalen Brunson had in the playoffs, absent Luka Doncic? Does that make Dallas better without Luka? Of course not. Does, do guys have to step up more when the best player's gone? Absolutely. But we saw they were capable of stepping up. Luka had the guys around him. Which shifts me to my next guy to put blame on. Kyrie Irving. I can criticize Luka all I want, and he certainly deserves it. And there are adjustments he has got to make to his game if he wants to eventually lead the Mavericks or any team, for that matter, to a championship. I have a hard time believing Luka was cool with the Kyrie move. And I said, listen, I said the next day on my show, I said this is a horrendous move for the Dallas Mavericks. It makes no sense. On both sides of the floor, two ball-dominant players who aren't great off the ball, who are both massive liabilities defensively. So I'm not even going to get on Kyrie for that because that's who he is. I'm not going to get mad at a guy for playing the way he knows how to play and has always played. It's the fact that Kyrie Irving, I talked about Cam Newton last week having no self-awareness. Kyrie makes Cam Newton look like the most self-aware human being in the world. Kyrie Irving knows coming into this season that it's a contract year. And I don't know if y'all noticed last year, but Kyrie was on the trade block and virtually nobody called. Nobody wanted him. Some of that's on these on a one year last year of his, his contract. I understand that, but you could say, hey, you know, we could maybe convince him to stay long term, like the Thunder did for the short time with Paul George. 
You obviously had the anti-Semitic film controversy early in the season in Brooklyn. That passes. And the Nets play very good basketball. And Kyrie, around January, when Kevin Durant is out, says, it's me and seven. Not, I'm, I'm paraphrasing here, but basically saying, there's no way I'm leaving seven. With being Kevin Durant, obviously. Kevin Durant wore number seven in Brooklyn. I'm not leaving seven. Days later, he requested a trade. So there's a strike there. Gets to Dallas. And what do you know it? The Mavs were four seed. The four seed when Kyrie took the floor for the first time as a Maverick. 11 seed when he left. They were 10 and 18 without Kyrie Irving. Not to mention the fact that the Brooklyn Nets, the team that traded Kyrie Irving, they're in the playoffs today. Not even play in. Brooklyn didn't even need the play-in tournament. They're in the playoffs. Whereas team Kyrie plays for is sitting home. I simply ask the question, what is Kyrie Irving's career without LeBron James? What is it? You tell me. First three seasons in Cleveland, the team sucked. They were terrible. You get the next few seasons, they go to the finals three times. Kyrie hits one of the biggest shots in NBA history, 2016, over Steph Curry. Going to give him all the credit in the world for that. It's one of the greatest shots of all time. Helped the Cavs win a title. 2017, he had a great year again. Wasn't as good in the finals, but still had a great season. Goes to Boston. Without him in 2018, they make the Game 7 of the Eastern Conference Finals. With him in 2019, they get blown off the court in the second round by Milwaukee. He goes to Brooklyn. Only plays around, around 20 games in 2020. The Nets had a better record without him than with him. 2021, early in the season, after the Capitol insurrection, which anybody in their right mind with a brain that functions was pissed off about. But we still had to go to work. And Kyrie was so bothered by it, he took two weeks off. And we eventually found him at a strip club that's neither here nor there. The year after, the vaccine controversy. No self-awareness there. Kills the Nets season before he even has a chance to begin. And Brooklyn gets swept in the first round. This year, the anti-Semitic documentary controversy. Then January, I'm not leaving Kevin Durant. Days later, leaves Kevin Durant. <laughs> and then this, and then joins a Mavericks team that was fourth in the West. And doesn't even make the play-in. It took him two months to, 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 to basically self-destruct the Dallas Mavericks. It's, And the best part of all, you know what drives me crazy? When, when Kyrie arrived in Dallas, after he played his first game, I remember watching this game, played well against the Los Angeles Clippers. After the game, a reporter asked Kyrie. They said, basically, uh, are you going to stay long-term? And Kyrie gives a perfectly legitimate answer. He says, I'm not going to answer that question until the season is over. Like, I'll, I'll get back to y'all. Okay, no issue with that. You focus on this season. I, I love that. Focus on the present. Yesterday, the Mavs played their last game of the year. Kyrie Irving had a press conference scheduled after the game. I'm going to give you a little trivia question. A, Kyrie Irving showed up. B, Kyrie Irving did not show up. Okay, give you a minute to guess that. If, the answer, if you guess B, you are, of course, correct. Because that's who Kyrie is. No accountability 
Again, again, he's, he's kind of become, I'll tell you one thing Kyrie is. I don't know if he's a bad guy. He is a liar. I'll stay in Boston if you have me. Lied. I ain't leaving Kevin. Lied. And I'll answer your questions about whether I'm staying in Dallas long-term after the season. Lied. Luka Doncic. Be critical of Luka. Luka didn't play yesterday. But Luka had a press conference, and Luka showed up and answered the tough questions. Kyrie wasn't willing to do that. The last guy to blame is Mark Cuban. I don't want to be brutal on Nico Harrison because I'm not real sure he was qualified for the job. Nico Harrison is a fantastic executive at Nike. He's not an NBA general manager, and Mark Cuban put him in that position. To go get Kyrie Irving, and then I, t- and I ripped Mark Cuban last week on the show. To take a shot at Jalen Brunson the way that he did, and then to say, later in that interview, we want to keep Kyrie. I simply ask, is he trying to drive Luka Doncic out of Dallas? Is he trying to scare a superstar off? Because I don't know if you've noticed, but the Mavericks have had two generational talents as the best player in their franchise in the last quarter century, in Dirk Nowitzki and Luka Doncic. They kind of struggled putting the legitimate role players around them. Or at least the number two co-star around them, which they did with Jalen Brunson and didn't pay him before last season and it cost him in the long run. Everybody is to blame. Luka, Kyrie, and Mark Cuban. Everybody's at fault here. And the last thing I'll say about Dallas before I get to the comments, what is Kyrie's market? Because, again, it just gets worse. Again, it just goes to show you the lack of self-awareness this guy has. Contract year, knowing the negativity that surrounds him that he caused. This isn't a, a false narrative surrounding Kyrie. He caused this. And has over the last five, six years since he left Cleveland. Knows the narrative surrounding him. And it's the same old Kyrie. Off the court with idiotic garbage, be it on social media or in press conferences. And on the court and in the locker room more specifically, ripping it to shreds. What is Kyrie Irving's market? Because remember, the one team of the last year that was we always heard was in the Kyrie Irving business was the Los Angeles Lakers. And you notice a few weeks ago what the Lakers said, what the upper management said? Nah, we'll run it back with this team next year. Regardless of what happens in the playoffs, we're going to run it back with this team. We're going to run it back with LeBron and AD and the supporting cast. That feels like, A, for the Lakers, we love what we have, and we can't wait to have a full season with these guys around LeBron and AD. And secondly, we're out of the Kyrie business. We're done. We're extending D'Angelo Russell. Is D'Angelo Russell the player Kyrie is? Absolutely not. Like D'Angelo, he is not Kyrie Irving. But D'Angelo Russell, who to his credit, has obviously we know what happened his rookie season. Don't have time to get into that. I think this is like the I think this is like the seventh year anniversary. Point is, has matured greatly. Kyrie hasn't in his 12th year in the NBA. What is his market outside of Dallas? Mavericks may not have a choice but to bring him back. I talked about Lamar Jackson. I love Lamar. 
having little to no leverage in Baltimore. Kyrie has no leverage of has the leverage of Lamar Jackson tenfold. None. Zilch. Dallas is in a bad, bad, bad spot. To the comments. Patrick Brown. By the way, the Chaotic Sports Sports Podcast and the Forum Lakers Podcast. New episode out on the grid now. He says, whoever comes out of the Western Conference will be a huge underdog against Milwaukee. A lower-seeded team in the West will have to overcome a lot of hurdles to finish strong. I do have Milwaukee coming out East, although the only drawback I have is the fact that Boston has, it's just the regular season, so this probably means nothing. But Boston has smoked Milwaukee all season long. They beat them badly. I think it was on Christmas. Obviously, we know the massacre that happened recently with them, what they did to the Milwaukee Bucks. The game was over at halftime. And I remember a game earlier this season. Boston basically sat all of their starters. Milwaukee played all of their starters. And Milwaukee is one of the best lineups in basketball. I think Boston took that game to overtime. Boston's backups took Milwaukee's starters to overtime. Um, matchups, styles dictate fights. Styles make fights. And Milwaukee matches up great with Philly. I don't know if they match up all that well against Boston. Not to mention, man, Chris Middleton cannot catch a break with injuries. I mean, he since last year, Middleton has not looked the same. And if Middleton can't be that, I, get, I don't know if Middleton's, forget second. That's Drew Holiday easily. Holiday's easily the second best player in the Bucs. He was a freaking all-star this year. And is the best two-way guard. Yeah, I think best two-way guard in the NBA. Is Middleton the third best buck? Because today I think that's Brooke Lopez. Brooke Lopez probably is going to end up falling just short of what I thought he'd be uh, midseason defensive player of the year. Probably going to go to Jaron Jackson of Memphis. But Brooke Lopez has been amazing this year. I, I don't know what you're going to get from, from Middleton, which is a concern. Patrick, uh, this is about the Mavericks now. He says, Mark Cuban has no other choice but to re-sign Kyrie unless they make some moves to bring in reinforcements on defense. Dallas won't be in the playoffs come 2024. It's, and it's why I was, I was so confused by that trade. You knew Kyrie was likely gone, and you give up Finney Smith, who's your best wing defender, to kind of help sort of mask Luka, if you will, on that end of the floor, and you trade... Spencer Dinwiddie, who's tremendous in creating offense off the bench. I, I, I didn't get that. Patrick, Luka is a sensational player, but a defensive liability. Same with Kyrie. I was on your show back when the trade happened. Luka would get more than he bargained playing with Kyrie. Kyrie's market is low. No team would want him unless they're desperate to keep fans in the arenas, which is not what the Mavericks are in the business of doing, though. That that like that's That's not... Right now... Dallas's focus is keep number 77 as a Maverick. That is the ultimate focus. You, listen, you can worry about winning championships, but you can't win any championships unless he's there. Keep him happy and makes. But again, how, what moves can they make this offseason? There's not really that many premier free agents this offseason, and Dallas really doesn't have the assets because of the Kyrie trade to go get anybody. They're in a bad, 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 bad spot. This, this might have set Dallas back a very long time. Um, it's, 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 it's odd. I, I did not get the coming off the season they had last year. Did not get the moves Dallas made this year. Okay. So let's talk about the teams that are in the playing tournament. So the NBA, I don't, I think it's the same as they did last year. Yeah, it is. 
Because I remember the first NBA playing tournament, they had two games Tuesday, two on Wednesday, one on Thursday, one on Friday. This year and last year as well, they've got in the East and in the West the seven versus eight playing games tomorrow, the nine versus 10 playing games on Wednesday, no games on Thursday, and then you've got the uh, on Friday. You've got the, depending on who wins, the last playing games. Like whoever whoever wins those games on Friday gets the eight seed in their respective conferences. So I'm not going to do like a like a play in bracket, you know, predicting how the how how the the format will look. But uh, I will predict the play in tournament. Uh, I, I don't know how I did them this last year. I might have went. I, I don't know. I can't remember if I went. If I went undefeated or not. No, no, I didn't because of the Clippers would get in as the eight seed. So I was wrong on that one. But let's 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 listen. Let's jump right into this again. But well, actually, before I do, here's the and I pulled this up earlier, but here's the playoff bracket right now as we sit here today. So and it, what's great is I didn't really have to edit this. I just put the Larry Bryan trophy in the middle just because it makes it look better. because uh, that's what all the teams are going after. Uh I I made my predictions on Friday for how I thought the weekend would would play out. It's exactly how it did. So I didn't have to make any major edits to this. So, out west, Denver's the one seed. They will not know their opponent until Friday. Memphis is the two seed. They'll know their opponent tomorrow. Sacramento's the three seed. They'll play six, the six seed, the defending NBA champion, my Golden State Warriors. And then you got the four seed, Phoenix Suns, taking on the five seed, Clippers. And then out east, you got the one seed, Milwaukee Bucks, who will play, or they'll know their opponent on Friday as well, kind of like Denver. You've got the two-seed Boston Celtics, who will know their opponent tomorrow, whoever the seven-seed is. You've got the three-seed Philadelphia 76ers taking on the six-seed Brooklyn Nets. And you've got the four-seed Cleveland Cavaliers taking on the five-seed New York Knicks. I I will have to admit, before I get into my my playing predictions, I know Cleveland kind of hates me, and I don't really – listen, I don't blame them. I I don't like Cleveland back. But they will have to give me this. Cleveland might have been my best prediction of the season. I said before this year started, Cleveland would be the three seed in the East. Sue me, they're four. Like I, because I, I, I wasn't that high on Boston this year. I thought it'd be Milwaukee, Philly, Cleveland as the top three seeds. Turns out Philly's a three seed. Uh, Boston ended up having a great year. I thought the turmoil with with the whole Ime Odoka situation was kind of going to derail them. It was not to their credit, but. Listen, Cleveland still had a great year. Donovan Mitchell, to me, is, is, is belongs on the All NBA list. I know there's a ton of guards who had great years: De'Aaron Fox and 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 Shea Gilgis Alexander, Steph Curry, uh, John Morant had a great year. Like, there's plenty of guys you could put on those lists. Luca, but I, I think Donovan Mitchell belongs on at least the third team All NBA. He was fantastic this year. But enough messing around. This is not the playoffs. It is the play in these stats. Whatever will whatever stats will be recorded over the next couple of days, next few days rather, do not count as playoff stats. They are play-in stats. Maybe one day in 40 years we'll talk about the all-time play-in scorer, although I highly doubt that. But it is technically, I guess you could say, the postseason. I mean, the regular season's over, and there's games being played, so I guess it sort of counts as the postseason, although it's not the playoffs. So let's get right into it. Get the background music, baby. Here we go. Oh, 
The 8th seed taking on the Miami Heat. The 7th seed. Miami in this game is a set, I'm sorry, a 5-point favorite at home. This is a weird one because it, it, it's almost one of those matchups where what one team does great, the other team stinks at. I'll give you an example. Miami sucks on offense, 25th. Atlanta, though, not very good on defense, 22nd. Miami, excellent on defense, ninth in the NBA. But Atlanta, excellent on offense, 7th in the NBA. So Miami is, an ama- is a terrible offensive team, great defensive team. Atlanta's an amazing offensive team, awful defensive team. I still don't know why they fired Nate McMillan. I, listen, I like Quinn Snyder. I think he's a good coach. Didn't like how they, I didn't like how they handled the Nate McMillan situation. This is not this is an odd one because I made the bold prediction coming into coming out of the All Star break. I, I listed pretenders and contenders. I said out east. You got the two obvious ones, Milwaukee, Boston, obvious contenders. And I said, not Philly, Miami. And I promise you on this show, had Miami gotten the sixth seed and jumped Brooklyn, I would have picked them to beat the Philadelphia 76ers. I listed them as a contender. People, every year we forget about this. Maybe it's because of the long duration of the regular season, we don't take this into account. Playoff Jimmy is a real thing. Heat culture is a real thing. And Eric Spolstra is one of the better coaches in the NBA. I think he's top five in the world. Coaching-wise, you can put them with Steve Kerr, with Monty Williams, at least Ty Lue. I think he's tremendous. Miami's at home. Listen, we know how Miami Heat home games are. It is Miami, Florida, after all. You know, the fans are a little late getting to the arena. I don't know what it's called now. It used to be called the FDX, but, you know, that didn't really work out as we all know. But... The fans will get to the arena at some point around eh, late second quarter, third quarter, something like that. Atlanta seems to be dealing with a lot more within than what Miami is dealing with. So with that said, I will take the Miami Heat to win this game as the seven seed. They will cover the five-point spread, and they will beat the Atlanta Hawks by a final score of 111-98. to Again, the whole game plan for the Heat, lock in on Trey Young. If Trey doesn't have a big night, Miami should cruise. I think you see the beginning of playoff Jimmy Butler. Miami wins this game 111 to 98, and they will get the seven seed to play the Boston Celtics. Speaking of Celtics, or yet their most notable rival, the Los Angeles Lakers, they are the seven seed in the Western Conference. They will face the eight seed Minnesota Timberwolves at the Crypto.com Arena tomorrow night at 10 Eastern. Lakers are big favorites at home, minus seven and a half. So, I mentioned this on my second segment today. Had the Rudy Gobert incident not occurred, I think the Lakers roll. This to me feels like one of those incidents. Again, I, I, I mentioned the, the Minnesota Timberwolves this season. With Rudy Gobert, they win 47% of their games. Without Rudy Gobert, they win 67% of their games. They're better without him. There's no question about that. And you'd all have a, a, a guy who the Lakers can attack on both, the, on, on, well, really on both the floors, certainly, but especially the defensive end in terms of getting him the pick and roll, in terms of playing, you know, five out, going small ball, guys attacking him off the dribble. Now that's not there. Again, one of those guys, he's, he's kind of old school sort of in his mentality towards, you know, wanting to always be available, which, you know, I really respect that about him and, and just his overall game. 
is Anthony Edwards. We saw last year in the playoffs, and we've seen ever since he came to the NBA as the number one pick in 2020. Anthony Edwards is about that. Okay, Anthony Edwards is one of the, he's a little bit of a volume score. He, you know, guys eventually work on efficiency as time goes on. But Edwards is a good enough defender and potentially give his old teammate D'Angelo Russell problems. I could see him taking Russell late in the game if it's close. And Carl Anthony Towns is certainly, I trust him much more on the defensive end. Although he's not great, then I trust Rudy Gobert against the likes of Anthony Davis. And even LeBron James, who occasionally plays the five from time to time. Minnesota has plenty of shot makers, although they traded some of them to the Lakers. I got to admit to y'all, I think, I, I don't like this, and I think the Lakers are contenders, don't get me wrong. I said, about midway after All-Star break, I said, okay, I think I was wrong on the Lakers. They're, they're contenders. If LeBron's LeBron, which is LeBron at 36 points yesterday, and if Anthony Davis, that's the big question mark, is the... 30 and 12 guy as opposed to the 15 and 7 guy then the Lakers can win the championship they're good enough to do that especially with the pieces that Rob Palenka put around LeBron and AD at the trade deadline did a fantastic job the pieces fit perfectly it's like a perfect jigsaw puzzle I don't like the narrative in the media that okay when the Lakers play the Grizzlies it's like whoa 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 whoa, whoa time out they're not in yet this is like when the Seahawks got to the one yard line and they were talking about, you know, you know, who gets Super Bowl MVP? It's like, they, they're, they're not in yet. The Lakers are not the seven seed quite yet. I can see a scenario. I remember they, they almost lost to my Warriors two years ago when they were the seven seed and the Warriors were the eight seed. Everybody's talking about the Lakers are in the playoffs or who the Warriors play on Friday. And that sucker came down to literally the last shot. LeBron hit that incredible three-pointer with a minute left to sink my Warriors. I could see a similar situation playing out. And a matter of fact, I think it will. I think the Timberwolves will use this as a moment to sort of come together as a team. Nobody believes they're going to beat the Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, and I could see the Lakers coming out a little bit lackadaisical. Again, they haven't played all that great basketball the last week. They barely survived the Utah Jazz, blowing a 10-point lead with two minutes left last week. They got smoked by the Clippers. I wasn't all that worried. It was the second night of the back-to-back. But then they struggle against the Suns' backups. And then we're in a tight basketball game against Utah's backups. It comes down the wire. I'm going to tell you right now, I'm taking Timberwolves and the points. I'm taking Timberwolves plus 7.5. But the Lakers hang on. I think LeBron and AD come up clutch down the stretch. Certainly if AD has come up clutch, it's not going to be at the free throw line because he's been bad at the free throw line within the last five minutes of games. In clutch time, as it's called. But I will take the Lakers to win this game 109 to 104. Expect the Timberwolves to get out to a hot start, but the Lakers close at the end. Lakers win this game. They will be the seventh seed, and they will take on the Memphis Grizzlies in the Western Conference. To the in-effect elimination games, two games on Wednesday. You got the nine out of east, you got the nine seed Toronto Raptors versus the 10 seed Chicago Bulls. Toronto in this game is a five-point favorite. Now, this was probably the hardest game to predict because it's, you got a team in Toronto who's well-rounded. Hey, they're 14th, I'm, I'm sorry, they're 12th in offense, 10th in defense, top 10 defensive team. Scotty Barnes had a good year. Pascal Siakam's looked great. Fred Van Vliet had probably his best season in, in the NBA, although he's dealing with a thumb injury. And as for Chicago, don't look now. Bulls have been playing pretty solid basketball as of lately. Won six of their last 10, got up to a rough start this year. 
took him a while to rebound. Zach Levine's playing good basketball. DeMar DeRozan is DeMar DeRozan. And I think this is interesting. DeMar coming home to Toronto has an opportunity to eliminate his old team. Listen, I'm sure Drake will be in the building at the, I forgot what the arena's called. It used to be called the Air Canada Center. Um, uh, I'm forgetting what the, Scotiabank Arena in Toronto, Canada. I'm sure Drake will be there. I'm sure all of Canada's most popular celebrities will be there, even though it is a playing game. I like how Chicago's playing on both ends of the floor, and I'm going to roll with DeMar DeRozan to hit the game-winning shot to beat his old team and eliminate his old team, end their season. The Chicago Bulls, John John will like this, will become the first 10 seed to win a play-in game thus far. Again, the tournament is still in its in, in, in its infancy. It's only its third year. The Bulls win 105-103. DeMar hits a turnaround fadeaway shot over... Let's see, I'm going to say he hits it over Scotty Barnes to win the game for the Bulls over the Toronto Raptors. Bulls win on a DeRozan game-winning shot, 105-103. to And to our final playing game in the Western Conference, we got the shocker of all the playing teams, the Oklahoma City Thunder, the 10 seed, who are coming who are going to New Orleans to take on the 9 seed New Orleans Pelicans. Pelicans, just like the Bulls, and I'm sorry, just like the Raptors, and just like... Uh, tomorrow night, the Heat are five-point favorites. Now, second straight year that New Orleans has been the nine seed in the play-in tournament. Obviously, we know the Zion Williamson situation. I, I was huge on Zion when he came to the NBA. I sold my stock about midway through the season. The kid's just never healthy. It's I can't I can't can't keep my stock at a guy who's rarely on the court. But that's okay if you're if you're a Pelicans fan, because Brandon Ingram throughout his whole career in New Orleans has consistently been better when Zion is off the floor. Need I remind you, 2020, there's no Zion Williamson until January. Brandon Ingram was an all-star. 2021, Zion was there virtually the whole year. Ingram wasn't quite as effective. Again, that's two ball-dominant guys. One of them, Zion, who can't shoot, not a great fit. I've been saying for about a year, I don't think Ingram and Zion fit that well. I think the Pelicans have to make a tough decision this offseason. Last year, no Zion all season long. Ingram has probably the best year of his career and goes off in the playoffs against the Phoenix Suns, pushes the 65-win Suns all the way to a game six. And then this year, Ingram is playing his best basketball of the season when, let's be honest, you need to play your best basketball of the season at the last 10 games or so. As for Oklahoma City, closed the regular season a little rough, barely held off Dallas to get that 10 spot, to get that last playing spot. I still maintain, I did my MVP rankings a couple of weeks ago. If I had a if I had an MVP vote, I'm giving it to Embiid number one, Giannis two, Jokic three, and I'm giving Shea Gilgis Alexander that fourth place spot. He's been incredible. Might be the most improved player, either him or or Laurie Markinen in Utah. Averaging 31 a game has been a great sense of you know been an excellent leader for the Thunder, the youngest team in the NBA. Again, the Thunder's average age is 22. They're kids. And he still got to the postseason, uh, getting to the play-in tournament. I just think New Orleans been there before. Uh, you know, again, second year in the play-in tournament. They've, they're, they're, no, they're no strangers to... This isn't exactly their first rodeo. C.J. McCollum's playing a lot of big games this career. He's kind of the veteran leader for that Pelicans team. Uh, Herb Jones is playing well. There's that one kid. I'm forgetting, I'm forgetting his name. I think he's number 25, who's remarkable shooting, uh, the, the shooting the three. 
And I think Brandon Ingram will do what Brandon Ingram does at a very high level, and that's score the basketball. I'm going to roll with New Orleans Pelicans to win fairly comfortably. I think their defense suffocates Oklahoma City. Again, New Orleans is the top five defense in the NBA. I think that plays factor. Give me the Pelicans over the Thunder, 107-95, to ending Oklahoma City's season. A, a, a successful season, by the way, though. Let's give OKC their props. They took a big, big step in the right direction as a franchise this year, but I've got the Pelicans ending it on Wednesday night, 107 to 95. So going back over the scores, Miami over Atlanta, 111 to 98. Los Angeles over Minnesota, 109, 104. Chicago on a DeRozan game winning shot against his old team, beating Toronto 105-103, and New Orleans beating Oklahoma City 107-95. So again, the results, if those, if the outcomes of those games are what I think they will be, means that the Lakers are in the playoffs as the seven seed, and they'll play Memphis, Memphis Grizzlies, in the first round. Miami, if they win, would be the seven seed, and they would take on the Boston Celtics in the first round. And then Chicago would win, I think, over Toronto, and they will go to Atlanta on Friday to play the Hawks in a do-or-die, must-win game for the eight seed. And then the Pelicans will go to Minnesota on Friday, and the winner of that game is in the playoffs, and the loser's season is obviously over. So, again... I, from the get-go, two years ago, I said on the show, I said, I think the plan's great for the NBA. I think it minimizes tanking. It, I always say, if you give the fans a reason to watch, if you give them a sense of urgency, they will watch. So that's always worked throughout the history of sports. And I think the play-in tournament has been great for the NBA. I, I did not get people two years ago, even LeBron James. And I love LeBron, but when LeBron was saying something like, whoever came up with this should be fired, I'm like, uh, I don't know about that. I, it's, it's, you're... I think you're tripping on this one, LeBron. I think it's great for the league. I think we're going to see that play itself out this week again. It's it is it's what I like about it too. It's like an appetizer before the main course. We're all like on the edge of our seats waiting for the playoffs, but we get to enjoy this little appetizer of the NBA playing tournament. We get six games, two Tuesday, two Wednesday, two Friday. Cannot wait. Whew. Thank. A little over an hour and a half show today. I enjoyed every second of it, though. It flew by. That is all the time here for today's show. Appreciate everybody stopping by. As always, be sure to catch Carving It Up Live on Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific time on Twitter, as well as the Carving It Up YouTube channel and the Grids YouTube channel. And be sure to like, share, comment, and take two seconds out of your day. Hit that big red subscribe button. Helps the channel grow exponentially. And be sure to go subscribe to the Grid Network. That is G-R-Y-D, the Grid Podcast Network on YouTube. It is a sports network that I am a part of. Very happy to be here. Again, you saw some of my teammates and good buddies from the Grid in the comments. You saw Patrick Brown. He's got the Chaotic Sports Podcast as well as the Forum Podcast, which is a Lakers show. So for you, Laker, for Laker Nation, you guys will enjoy that. You got Parnell, the newest member of the Grid. Hoping to get Parnell on the show sometime in the near future. Uh, he's got the Commander's Demand podcast, which is obviously a Washington Commander show. Very, very, very knowledgeable. Love having him as a part of the grid. Uh, any other, I don't think anybody else from the grid comments on the show today. I'm just checking, but we do have a lot of uh, other talent. You've got Barry Grant Jr. of the All Even Podcast. Ryan Flowers of Clutch Sports Talk. He is, like I said, man, he is going to work on the NFL draft on, on TikTok and on social media and on YouTube. He's doing an amazing job. Definitely check his stuff out. You got the Cowboys camp fan, uh, Anth, Alex, and Adam in Canada covering the Cowboys. You've got 
Who am I missing? Alfred Parsar Jr., new episode today of the Metropolitan Report. He's a big Mets fan. Be sure to go check his stuff out. Uh, and he's also got the Rocket Fuel Jets podcast, which is a, of course, New York Jets show. So, amazing talent we have at the Grid Network. Very, very excited to be a part of it. And uh, like I said, we're trying to work on getting an NFL draft show two and a half weeks from now in motion. So, listen, it's we're on an upward trajectory, baby. We're, we're, we're feeling good about where, 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 at, where we're at and where we are continuing to go. Have a great week. Have a great week. Have a great week, everybody. Please continue to stay safe out there. Please be sure to take care of your physical as well as your mental health. Uh, our thoughts and our prayers, although that's not the only thing that needs to be put in motion, are for the victims in Louisville. What we can do as citizens is call your state officials, representatives, senators, and let them know your outrage over the tragedy of gun violence in the United States of America. And hats off to Greg Popovich for saying what he said about it. So continue to bring, I'm going keep continuing to bring awareness uh, to this issue because I think it's a very, very important one uh, for this country. Stay safe out there. Take care of your physical and mental health. God bless you all. Peace out. I finally made the plan turn. Thanks so much for watching the show on YouTube. Be sure to click that big red subscribe button and go check out the other clips and full shows of Carving It Up Live. Have a blessed day. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.